Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demond, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demodcast. My guests grew up on Star Trek, the Twilight Zone, and the other realm lives of a bunch of kids ganged up against one named Charlie Brown. I am going to have to ask him about this later. His most recent work, The Brothers Jetstream Leviathan, is on sale now and has an upcoming sequel that is by far the coolest phrase I have ever heard. Afro puffs are the antenna of the universe. Please welcome author and publisher of stuff, Zig Zag Claiborne! Hey, how you doing? I feel like I should have wrestler's tights on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me on here, brother. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited. I'll be honest, I hadn't hadn't heard of you before I did some, I was referred to you by uh, Miss Linda Addison. I started looking you up, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so interesting. This is going to be so much fun. (laughs) So I'm really (laughs) excited. I am too. This is going to be cool. All right. Give me the elevator pitch for Brothers Jetstream. You had first conceived of, I believe it was Milo Jetstream while you were in college, and it just kind of expanded and grew in your imagination until it just kind of came out on the page eventually. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. And, you know, my elevator pitch for it is it comes down to the tagline that's on the book saving the world one last damn time. Because, you know, that's basically what the black experience is. We're saving the world all the time. So I want to do a, an adventure book that starred two brothers who, from the get-go, you knew were not going to wind up dead by the end. Which, you know, in fiction, when I wrote this book a few years back, it was still pretty much a, a given that if there was a brother somewhere in the book, he wasn't going to make it to the, the epilogue. Right. So that was my, my goal with the brothers Jetstream Leviathan was to make sure that even though the brothers go through all kinds of weird, trippy stuff. There's no doubt in the reader's mind that come to end, they're going to be cool. Right on. That's that's really cool, man. That's really cool. Oh, my goodness. A description of it was like if you take Buckaroo, Bonsai, your favorite 80s cartoon, fast forward to today, or it was a really elaborate thing. It was like, it sounds like a lot of fun. And that, that is spot on because the book is actually a homage in a way to Buckaroo Bye-Bye, which is one of my favorite movies ever. I mean, anytime I go to a convention, you know, that's one of my icebreaker questions. Do you know Buckaroo Bye-Bye? Now, if you don't know it, I got to give you a stink eye just a little bit, but I'll still talk to you. But if you do know it, me and you are friends for life because that movie opened my imagination up in some seriously, seriously warped ways. Well, I want to be friends with you because you sound really cool and one man cannot have too many cool friends. So I'm going to have to find this movie. Oh, definitely. 1984. I think it's on Amazon now. It might be, but if you can, if you can get an actual like DVD or, or even better, a VHS for the real experience, you'd be doing all right. Wow. Yes. I actually remember it coming out or seen it on video, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. And I don't think I would have gotten it till now anyway. Oh, it, it is. It's one of the smartest, trippiest and goofiest movies ever put out there. 
I mean, it's it, it, like it takes off going 100 miles an hour, and it does not stop to explain anything to you. And, you know, I, me personally, I love that kind of stuff. That is fantastic. Uh, why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? <laughs> well, since you don't already promise that you're going to get it, we tight now. Yes! Yay! <laughs> it's the little things, man. And I am one of those little yeah. things. I'm a tiny little fella. And, <laughs> and you know, it, it doesn't hurt that Buckaroo Banzai, the title character, is played by Robocop. So, I mean, that's, that's a bonus right there. Right. Oh, well, that's that's one, two, that's one, somebody's going to get my money. If a listener hears this by t- when this airs, if you want to send me a copy, that would be awesome, too. So we'll go we'll go with that. Perfect. So are you ready to answer the six questions? I am ready. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to be a writer? Mm, that's a, that's I love that question because that's the easiest one. High school freshman composition English. We were studying Native Son by Richard Wright, and the teacher was breaking down how the book had been plotted. So you know, there's the opening scene where they're chasing after this rat in the apartment, and then not to give the spoilers away, but y'all should have read this by now, so I'm gonna give it away anyway. By the end of the book, there's a scene with where he's being chased. And so the teacher's like, you, y'all see what the author did from the beginning to the end. And before that, I'd always looked at a book as just something that just kind of like wafted out into the air and made it to the bookstore. I never thought of it as a, a person sits and constructs something from beginning to end. And, you know, growing up, I was always that kid that would find little bits and pieces of this and that and build something else out of it. So I was like, blew my mind that I could do this with words because I'd always like to write. But I just did it just for fun, you know, a little goofy stuff. But when she broke that down and said, no, you can actually start a big book. And then 50,000, 60,000, 90,000 words later, you are tying what happened at the beginning to the very end. I was sold. That was it for me. Done. Wow. It's funny that that's what stuck with you. And the very first thing you said about Brothers Jetstream was... That it starts basically at the end when you see the brother, you know the brothers make it at the end. I, that wow, that's interesting. That's I, I'm not sure why I said that, but it, that that's really cool. Yeah, I mean it, it's kind of like that when 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 you go into something and you you have certain expectations, and when those expectations are massaged a little bit or or, or flipped, you end up with something completely fulfilling in new ways. But that was the first time I'd ever had a book analyzed in that particular way. And when she did that, that just opened me up to experiencing books in a whole new way. I mean, I mean, I was a voracious reader. So I would go back and reread things and see, oh, this is he did this here, that led to that. And like I said, I was hooked. It was a whole new way to build things for me. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out? You know, I wish somebody would have told me back in the mid-80s that I would meet so many cool people later on as a result of of writing words on pages and sending stuff out. Because I had this 
notion that, you know, writing was, this is pre all the social media. So for me, writing was you sit down, you write, you send it out, you hope somebody reads it and you move on to the next. I didn't know anything about writers conventions or anything like that. Fast forward to now. And, you know, they say writing is a solitary act, but that's not true. It is a communal act. And I've got such a community of writer friends and reader friends that when I sit down to write now and I think about young me sitting down to write, it's two, I mean, even though the age is there, but it's still, it's two different consciousness doing this. And it puts me in a different mind space as I write now, because it's like before it, it was kind of like, you, you know, you, you write novels for yourself for the most part. And that still applies, but. I also know when I'm sitting down to write that I'm not so much writing for an audience, not so much writing for my friends, but I'm writing for this greater community of ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So young me would never have thought about that starting out, but old gray me is all about that. It's It's all about reaching out and connecting with somebody. There's one thing to put something out there and it's just, you know, it's, it's eye candy. You see it and once it's, you've seen it, it's gone. And it's another thing to put something out there that connects with somebody in such a way that it stays with them. And, you know, and even more than that, if it stays with them and they then reach out to you and say, you know, this touched me and I, I, I wanted to do something more with it and run with the, the I mean, that, there's no greater praise to me as a writer when I hear something near that. I mean, with the jet stream, people were were saying, you know, can I, can I do this as a game? And I'm like, what? What's what? But yeah, I mean, it it hit people in a way that they wanted to take what I put on the page and keep going with it. Don't let me ramble because I don't ramble. Wait, no, no wait. I, I was going to let you do so, but you buried the lead, man. What kind of game is getting? What kind of game for uh, Brothers Jetstream? They wanted to do kind of a role playing game. It never did get made, but they they wanted to do a role playing game for it. Because they said that the story just led limited itself to it. I'm not to say that it won't get made. It might, but you know, at least it led them to want to do something, and they've gone on since to make other games. I have to read this book. <laughs> I want to. Can I share something with you real quick? Please do. I have been interviewing a lot of authors over the last couple months, and. I am never going to catch up now between doing this show and trying to raise kids. I have to fit and, you know, try to grow this and everything else. Now I have to read 20 some authors and you've just added your book on top of the list. I just wanted to let you know what you've done to me. That's called the sweetest pain right there, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would like to thank you for that. You're very welcome. I mean, I'm, as, as you mentioned that, I was looking around my room here at all the stacks of books I got piled up. You know, I mean, it's that the TBR pile never, ever gets any shorter. It's not in its gene structure to do so. It, it can only grow. Oh, well, I guess we'll have to live with that, I guess. There you go. And, and you'll also have to grab the next book since this will be coming out soon. So I'm, I'm really putting a hurt on you. <laughs> Question number three. What is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? See, I, I was waiting on this. I, I love me some food. 
All right, so there's this, this restaurant called Pizza Popolis, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big pizza person. You give me some pizza and a cinnamon roll, and I'm, I pretty much will do it anything you want me to do. Pizza Popolis has this deep dish Chicago style seafood pizza. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm having a moment just thinking about it, bro, because you get about four inches of cheese on this thing, you shrimp biggest poodles inside, and the crust has just got. More butter than any bread should ever have on it. There's no redeeming health factor going on here. This is just pure get in it and take your shoes off and enjoy. And that, that's the one for me. Whenever I want to really treat myself, I will order that deep dish pizza. I mean, it's big enough. The pizza is big enough that, you know, it's for four about four people. I will let that thing coast out the week. I got pizza for breakfast. I got pizza for lunch. I got pizza for a snack. Pizza Populous deep dish seafood pizza. Boom. How did you find out about this place? It's in the downtown Detroit. I used to work not too far from it. So at lunch, you know, I would go over there. And I'd heard about it all the time, but I'd never been. So because it, it's been in the city forever and a day. So I go in there and I'm like, okay, well, it's pizza. How, how much different can it be from anything? Man, oh, I was so wrong to live my life that way for in ignorance. That pizza changed my life, gave me religion, and to this day, I am thankful for that experience. And they're going to have to put out some bucks if they want any more words. What's it's, I'm it, telling you, <laughs> you know, I always tell people whenever they visit the city, hey, let me know, me and you're going to hit Pizza Populous. So I'm extending that to you as well. You hit Detroit, we're hitting Pizza Populous. <laughs> Question number four. What are you curious about? Now that one is, that's one of our long questions right there. You know, when I sit and just ruminate, as you know, as writers like to do, love. I'm the most curious about love. I mean, there's seven billion forms of it. And it's so intricate and there's so much psychology behind it and, and power behind it. Because, you know, everything we do, one way or another, we do it to get a sense of love somewhere. Not, you know, it could be, you know, love of craft, love of another person. Any, anything we do always comes back to love. So I'm always curious about trying to figure out what makes somebody not, a, not so much fall in love, but what makes them hmm, what's the, maybe seek love. What makes them, even what is their definition of love? Do they know what they're looking for? Which, you know, none of us pretty much do when it comes to love. Cause it's love. You know, you, you can't, really can't analyze it that deeply. But it's fun to think about it. That was an interesting answer. I'm not even sure what to do with that. All you need is love. Let's start singing. I may have to stick that in a post just like a real quick. All you need is love. <laughs> <laughs> we can't sing too much because then they'll sue us. Question number five. Is there anything I should have asked but didn't? Oh, yeah. What is my dream project? I, that's the one question I, I just be waiting for somebody to ask. I have a question. Yes, sir. What is your dream project? I want to sit my Detroit behind down and write the screenplay for the Herculoids cartoon. 
I don't know if folks out there remember the Herculoids from back in the 60s. But I do. it was the coolest. You, oh, see, again, Herculoids and Buckaroo Bonsai. That's all it takes to be my friend. And you, you have hit both of them. I love that cartoon. And I would love to write the screenplay for it and just do something so unexpected with it that it, it, it becomes the Black Panther of Giant Dragon with Laser Beam Eyes movies. <laughs> I tried to keep a straight face. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> the dream is real. If Hannah, I'm not even sure if Hannah Barbera still has the rights. Whoever has the rights to it, if y'all out there and hear this, call a brother. I'm ready for that movie. I did not know that I wanted a Herculoid movie. See, that's the power. Of, I'm telling you, that movie would be so so cool. You know, get get the right director, and I mean, I've got I've been thinking on this for years. That's why I was ready with this boom right off the top of my head. That is the project where if y'all if they gave me that and I completed it, that would be my sexual chocolate. Drop the mic and walk off the stage moment because I was like, I don't need to write anything else after this. I'm done. What is keeping you from writing it? Time. That's the only thing. I've got ideas cooking about it, mm-hmm. but time and also the fact that I, I do not know how to navigate Hollywood, so I wouldn't even know where to begin on searching who has rights, who might be interested in the screenplay for that. So. But it will be done. I'm I'm telling you, this is going to be written because I've done with Jetstream's universe. You know, Afropuffs is probably going to be the last book in that universe. That leaves me all kinds of time to work on my rock monster, dragon, and gloop and gloop thing. What is it about the Herculoids that makes this your dream project? You know, it was the ultimate kid fantasy cartoon because... So those who don't know the Herculoids was this family on this planet. They've got a gorilla rock ape thing that's part of their, I guess, well, I don't want to call him a pet. He was, Eagle was not a pet. But they, they've got that. They've got a dragon that shoots laser beams out of his eyes and tails. They got a, a what is a six-legged rhino that shoots basically photon torpedo. I mean, this was everything a kid would sit around and think that, oh, this would be cool to have in my real life. So for me, growing up watching that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, give me two shape-shifting blobs that will do whatever I want and keep me protected. Because it was basically a show about, you know, the nuclear family and the animals that protected them because the humans were dumb as dirt in the, in, in the show. They were always needing saving and protecting and so here comes the rock A for the dragon coming in to save their idiot behind. So me being an idiot kid, yes, I need all of this in my life protecting me. And as an idiot adult, I still need all that in my life protecting me. I would, you know, give me a rhinoceros shooting photon torpedoes and ain't nobody cutting me off in traffic. I'm going to give you that for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I might, I might abuse my power and trust with them a little bit, but you know what? If you got a, a rhino that's shooting photon torpedoes, you get to abuse just a touch. And that is my Herculoid's rant. Question number six.
if you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? My boy, James Baldwin. I want a James Baldwin day. It's been it's long overdue. I mean, they could even just call it something like, you know, meditation day, where a day where we, we all sit back worldwide and think on consciousness, being conscious, being aware, having an intellect, the ties that it creates between person to person. That would be the coolest holiday for me. Just something that's celebrating the connective power of the intellect. And then, ooh, think about the library action on that day. Yeah. Where would somebody start reading about James Baldwin or reading any of his works? The good thing about Baldwin is you, can, you, you can't throw a rock without hitting a good work about him. Hit your library, not only his works that he wrote, but works written about him. I would actually, you know what? I would suggest for anybody who's not familiar with him, though, don't even go to the books first. Hit YouTube, type in James Baldwin, and just sit there and listen and watch this man speak. Because there are so few minds ever to have been as sharp as he is. And he's still speaking to us today. So check out some of the interviews and speeches and whatnot he did that I recorded and, and are on YouTube. Then go and start reading about him. He was, I mean, a fascinating person. You know, that, that question sometimes people ask, you know, who would you want to meet in anybody in history? To me, it's always been James Baldwin since the first time I learned about him. But there's just something about having a brain like that that is able to process reality in such a way that the words that he put out there were so crystal clear that you could not refute them. I don't care who you were. You, you, know, you could try, but you deep down you knew you were looking foolish doing so. All right, this is the part where you get to tell my listeners how they can find you and connect with you. Well, I am easily found on the web. Uh, Twitter is at ZZ Claiborne. Website is writeonwriteon.com, which is the first write is W-R-I-T-E, on, and then it's R-I-G-H-T, on.com. But you hey, type in Zigzag Claiborne, it'll come up. I mean, that's pretty much the main reason I came up with that pen name. Not the only reason, but the main one is that if you look for me, you will be able to find me. I'll let the listener find the origin story. I found it and I thought it was hilarious. So I think you should, I think you should have to read it for yourself. So I'm not going to spoon feed you this one. Go on the internet and find out why his name is exactly born. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a whole story behind that. There's a particular trick. So yeah, y'all, y'all find it. And if, if you, you know, tickled by it, email me and let me know. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Oh, this was a blast. I, if you ever want me to rant again, just give me a holler because this is just cool, cool talking to you. Man, that was a fun, fun, fun interview to end the year off with after a crazy year. I hope wherever you're listening to this, you are safe. And I want you to hopefully also you remember that you're loved. And thank you for joining me on this journey. And we're actually making this journey together. So we need to have more people join us. And the way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download this from. And take a couple minutes, sign in, live a five-star rating, leave a review so more people can join the conversation. And next week... We're going to start off the new year talking sci-fi, working with your children in a 
absolute passion and love for sugar with Cerise Rennie Murphy. So until next time, see, hear it, speak it, 